Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Ronna Gray and Jim Brown. Hey, welcome to our podcast today. I'm here with my co-host, Ronna Gray. We talk to you each week, and we've got an interesting subject, a little bit more offbeat I want to talk to you about, that has national implications. Ron, I'm glad you're joining me. I want to share some stories with you about a recent trip of mine. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. And and at first I thought it's a nice break from politics, but oh my God, it's politics <laughs> at a whole nother level. It never stops. It I never know. stops. And before we start, I want to tell you listeners, you can listen to all of our shows uh, going back sometime at datelinelouisiana.com, datelinelouisiana.com. And Ronna, uh, I told you I was taking a little um, uh, pilgrimage, if you will. I was wanted to go to Israel. I'd never been there before. And I thought, you know, I just, uh, I'm 83 years old. I want to explore my own uh, role in, in life as I wind down. I'm not going to be uh, here forever. And so I wanted to go to the promised land. Uh, and I've always been fascinated by the fact that Jerusalem is the center of not just only Christianity, but Judaism and Muslim, uh, the Muslim religion. But I didn't know the intricacies of it. So I just decided without a lot of planning and without a lot of people to guide me just to go. I was very fortunate. This would turn out to be a real blessing, Rana. And I know you're Episcopal. Right. And uh, uh, I attend Episcopal Church up in North Carolina where my family and I spend the summers. There's a small little Episcopal church in the small community of Linville, North Carolina. It's got beautiful shingles on it. doesn't have air conditioning or heating, but in the summer, it's just a beautiful little church. I attend services. Well, they have guest lectures. They will have a minister from some other church along the East Coast who will come in, spend the week there in a little resort area, and then they preach on Sunday. Well, the minister on a Sunday was the uh, a minister that heads up the Washington Cathedral in Washington, D.C., and I'm sure a lot of your listeners, have you been to the Washington Cathedral? I've been there several times, and, and right, I think a lot of people don't realize that that's managed by the Episcopal Church, a, National a, Cathedral. A mass, and that's where the presidents are, right. are buried, and, and uh, just a massive church uh, there in Washington. So uh, the dean, or, or uh, there, the head of the church, uh, uh, was visiting with me after the service, and I mentioned I was going, to, I wanted to go to Israel. He said, let me help you. And he, he put me in touch with a, a little pilgrimage center, if you will. Uh, Episcopal churches all over the country might get 15 or 20 of their parishioners, and the minister will lead them on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And they come and stay in a dormitory setting. The meals are, are furnished. They have buses that will take you to the various sites. Then you have a lecture room where you can come and talk about your daily trips and, uh, and they have groups that come from all over the world all the time. I was not with a group. I, I would, did not want to be as a tourist. I specifically had goals of things I wanted to see. So I went over by myself and uh, thought it was interesting, got a wonderful Palestinian guide. Uh, and that's what you don't understand. You hear of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. Unless you sit down with a map and really look it over and study it, you don't understand how all that breaks down, but 
Israel has had uh, most of Isra uh, Israelis, most of Israel for many, many years, going back to the 40s. But they've been very protective, worried about their own security as to what they let Palestinians do and what they consider their own land. Many Palestinians say, well, no, it's not really your land. And there's this tit for tat, this dispute's been going on for a long, long time and not even close to being resolved. Palestinians want their own country. The Jewish population wants its own country. And they overlap in terms of their where they live and disputes break out and fights break out. Uh, Rana, the church I was, or the, the pilgrimage center I was staying in, was part of the Palestinian center. I was just maybe though a couple of blocks from the old city where you had the Armenians, the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims, all within this old city, uh, the city that was there when Jesus Christ was uh, here on the earth. So the history, uh, I have been reading about it, writing about it. I'm writing a book about it. I've been doing this for months. Uh, well, it's not, I say months, I've only been back about a month, but continually. And I'm not even scratching the surface. And I, I was going to say, I know you're going to get into this, but our listeners are probably wondering, what do you mean you went to Jerusalem? But your timing was a big part of this story. Well, it, it happened to be after I came back, uh, I was there. Uh, I traveled for about the first week and went to various locations where Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, uh, where he was baptized, uh, where, where he did so many things, went to uh, historic cities like Jericho. Remember the song, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho? Right. And that's the place that Moses came into Israel uh, after uh, his 40 years of searching for uh, the promised land. Jer Jer uh, Jericho is the first place that they came. And so, so much history. And then I said, okay, while I'm here now, I want to sit down and write about it. And they had this marvelous library and I spent uh, uh, several days just there researching and writing, and I uh, had real good food. I had great, mostly Mediterranean food they had, but uh, marvelous food that I'd eat my meals, and I didn't leave the compound. Maybe I'd walk down to the old city, uh, you know, uh, late in the afternoon. It was only 15 minutes away, and I'd go down and go to maybe an Armenian church, or I went to a place called St. Mark's where they only speak Aramaic, the language of, of Christ and Christ's time. Uh, I went to the Cathedral of St. James where St. James, I'm, my name, I'm named after him, is buried. So anyway, then I did research in all this, and I decided, well, now it's, I guess it's time to go home. Well, some friends of mine in Baton Rouge where I live had said they were coming over on a cruise and getting there to Israel. Why don't I stay an extra couple of days and uh, uh, hang out with them and we could do some exploring? And I started to. I called the airline and, and got my ticket, to, got, saw what was involved in making the ticket change. I could have changed with United was very good airlines. They would change my ticket for a few days at no charge. And so uh, I was all set to do it. And I don't know why I changed my mind. I kind of had a premonition. Oh, maybe I just better go home. I just can't tell you why I changed my mind. I was very tired. I had walked through deserts and climbed mountains, and so my legs were very tight and sore. And I think that might have been one of the reasons I'm saying I just don't know if I can join these friends and walk around. So I said, I guess I'll go home. Well, 
I got on that plane, and I'm not sure I was the last commercial flight out on United, but I was pretty close before the missiles started coming in. And what a uh, complete upheaval to where it went from this vibrant city full alive with tourists everywhere and visitors from all over the world and so lively and restaurants so full and people in, at the Wailing Wall and all these various locations and to where it just completely shut down, just shut down. That was incredible because our listeners will remember that you talked about putting this trip together and— the uh, we did a, a podcast on it right before you left, and then people just started calling like crazy because they didn't know if you were back yet. It was such a shock when all this happened. It just was so unexpected. Of course, the Middle East is always a powder keg, and you never know, but it was just such a shock. It was so brutal and so sudden and, and terrible. Missiles landed within a few blocks of where I was uh, uh, staying. Uh, there was a f- pretty solid missile onslaught. And by the way, uh, uh, whenever you're listening to this, just today, and uh, we're talking here about the first week in November, <clears throat> right where I stayed, there was uh, uh, several uh, uh, Jewish uh, survivors who attacked uh, some Muslims right in front of a school right there. And there was somebody that was killed, and it was a very controversial thing just here in this day. And uh, I'm on the phone pretty regular. Uh, I learned all about WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Yes. Producer Chris, you know about WhatsApp? I didn't know. You know for a signal, but yeah, I know. So it's a lot cheaper <laughs> to make those long-distance calls overseas. Oh, yeah. And so every week or two, I'll get on the phone and check in with the guy that took me around, with uh, uh, my son-in-law's mother who lives there in Jerusalem. And see how you're doing. I talked today, and they say it's just dead as a doornail. There is nothing happening. There are uh, just a handful of shops that are open, that most stores and shops are completely shut down. And uh, uh, there is, uh, and of course, the, you can imagine the tourism coming into Jerusalem, and yeah, there's nothing. I mean, the, the, I mean, Jim, when you put this together, you know, it was very ambitious trip. You you researched and put together where you wanted to go. But I kept hearing about Catholic churches here putting groups together, and it was so popular uh, to take groups to where you were going and all. And you're right, that becomes the economy of the place. I don't know how you live in a country at war and under attack like they were. Well, it was an amazing trip. I'm writing a book about it. I'll tell our listeners who might be interested about my book. I'm hoping to have it out by the first of the year. I'm probably 80% through the writing, and I want to include a lot of pictures, photographs to kind of tell the whole story of my trials and tribulations. But uh, then, Rana, what we could talk about this for show after show, the instability and the uncertainty that's happening in that part of the world now. It's not, you know, it's not just Hamas, this Palestinian terror group versus the Israelis. You've got Iran, you've got Egypt, you've got Saudi Arabia, you've got Lebanon. They're all affected by it. And, and uh, it's a question of how they—it's this big chess game going on. Who talks on. to who, right? I, no. I was listening to the role that Qatar has carved out for itself and talking to the United States and talking to other countries that don't we don't talk to, Iran, for example, 
it is a, it is very interesting what role each one of them has sort of played. And uh, this is not going to be solved in the near future because if all the violence stopped, uh, you'd still have the same situation. The, the Palestinians feel like the that the Jewish uh, contingent has just pushed them aside, and they have kind of reluctantly accepted it. Like I talked to the, the guide I'd had to take with me, really knowledgeable guy named uh, Ellie, uh, Eli. And uh, I talked to Eli yesterday, and uh, I call him Ellie, just a little insider joke anyway. His name is Eli. So, uh, but Eli said, you know, I'm Palestinian, he said, uh, Jim. He said, and I'm willing to kind of suck it up and make the best of it. I'd say, but we're not happy. We want our own country. We want our own country. Well, now this has exploded. You've got Palestinian support coming out from all over the world right. as a as a uh, reflex to uh, the Jewish uh, uh, response that took place. Uh, you can make a great case on both sides, most sides. Well, especially in war, especially in war, because the the fact of civilian deaths and and uh, so the attack on Israel was horrific. They kidnapped babies. They beheaded children and. I mean, raped women. It was it was horrific. There's no question about it. But then, whenever Israel goes in to destroy Hamas, there's going to be civilian deaths. I mean, that's what happens in a war. And so you're right. Palestinians are spread far and wide. Palestinians in the United States are marching in the streets against the United States supporting Israel in this effort because the same thing's going to happen. Five thousand William. And- Women and children, five thousand. the The pictures, the uh, drone photos of the body bags are gut wrenching. They're horrible. Tiny well, little body bags. But but uh, but uh, you know, there's some semblance in this, as the Israeli leadership is saying. <clears throat> Look, uh, we, we're calling for a ceasefire. They say, you know, when when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, did they call for a ceasefire? Right. Did you just step back? So, okay, they killed thousands of us and and uh, bombed us, and so let's just back up. We don't. Uh-uh, that's not what you do in war. And so, how do you balance all that out? And Chris and Rana, it's like I say, a year from now we can put this on our agenda if we're still doing our podcast. And I can tell you, it's still not going to be a solvable problem. I. I think the biggest problem is that the one party that is absolutely powerless in this is the Palestinians. They don't have a representative government. They don't have their own state. Every time uh, the world has supported a two-state solution, the first time the United States uh, put an end to it on the UN floor, the second time there was a an Israeli man committed a horrendous act and killed, I think it was 30-some people worshiping in a mosque, and uh, Yasser Arafat wasn't able to make the deal anymore. He lost his support. Um, I'm starting to get—I've I, i I've shared dinner with both Auschwitz survivors and uh, Gazan refugees, and uh, this whole thing is just tearing me up inside. Well, but you see, the, in, in Gaza, which is two million people crammed into a, <coughs> an area— uh, that is uh, very narrow, very small. Uh, they elected Hamas. They said they had an election, yeah. and they elected Hamas to be their leaders. And look what Hamas has done. So you can take either side and see some huge mistakes that have taken place. Do you know who f- helped and, uh, start Hamas? 
It was bolstered and partly funded by the far-right Israeli government. This is, I'm getting my sources from Israeli media. I think uh, one of the sources I read quoted Bibi in 2019 saying that bolstering Hamas was the sure way to ensure that there won't be a two-state solution. Well, it didn't, whatever they were trying to work out, it didn't work out. So, uh, well, he's uh, going to lose power because of this, of his own handling of this. So, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and a lot of um, instability, as Jim was saying. It's going to be even more, in, uh, more instability than there has been because he's not going to survive this. Netanyahu is not going to survive it. Well, as long as there's a war going on and, and there is violence that takes place on a regular basis, you know, they're going to be too distracted to have elections. or ha- So right. uh, it's, he has a, an interest in keeping the, the whole flow going. But you hear already, you know, one of his top lieutenants talking about nuclear war. He had to suspend him. You know, he, he's losing control. So I don't know what's going to happen, but we're very glad you got on that last plane out and Sounds like the last flight out of Saigon that Jimmy Buffett sings about. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm glad I did. So we'll obviously talk a lot more about it. Hey, that's our show for the day. Our website is datelinelouisiana.com. That's datelinelouisiana.com. You can email us, Huey, H-U-E-Y, at datelinelouisiana.com. Ronna Gray is Ronna uh, at uh, ronagray.com, and I'm JB at jimbrownla.com. <laughs> so you've got lots to take a look at. Thank you all for listening. Have a good week. Ronna, you have a good week, too. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Ronna, visit datelinelouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.